you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. LAist Studios. Just a quick heads up, this episode contains some strong language and depictions of trauma. If you're listening with kids, you might want to sit this one out. Welcome back to How to LA. I'm your host with the most, Brian De Los Santos. Today, we're going to try something a little bit different. I want to talk to you guys about my friend, Anthony Ocampo. Anthony is a big voice for queer people of color in LA. He's a child of immigrants, and that resonated with me because I'm queer, I'm brown, and I'm undocumented. When I found out that he was writing a book, I wanted to learn more. The book is titled Brown and Gay in L.A. Sounds kind of like someone. I'm talking about myself. We went to meet up with him in Eagle Rock. This is Anthony's childhood home, where he's actually hanging out today with his boyfriend, Joe, and their dog, Schmidt. I lived in this house since I was six years old. They moved here in 87, when housing in Eagle Rock was actually affordable. The house is a cute, single-story home. Garden, flowers, trees. There's a big open space with chairs, a fireplace. Every relative that migrated to the United States from the Philippines, this was their pit stop. There was always a new cousin or an uncle and aunt, my dad's siblings. That's kind of very immigrant-y, right? We know L.A. is a city of immigrants, and Anthony is L.A. through and through. I know not everyone's going to identify with the story of a brown gay man in L.A., but the way he navigated his queerness really resonated with me. I wanted to ask him about his experience growing up here. I mean, I... I feel like I grew up like a lot of kids. Mom wants her son to like marry a nice girl and have a family so they can have grandkids. And when I talk to other queer children of immigrants, same story. I remember junior high, high school is the period when folks start to date and hook up. I didn't get on the bandwagon for that. <laughs> like, I always think about the situation where you ask a straight boy in junior high, like, oh, what do you think of this girl? And she's like, oh, she's hot. And you ask the gay boy and be like, oh, my God, she's so pretty. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, she's beautiful. I love her hair. But um, I didn't know what gay was because this was the 80s and 90s. So the only representation of gay folks was pretty much the AIDS crisis. All that I saw on TV was images of, like, white gay men. There was queer gay characters in Filipino TV shows that my parents were watching or my grandma would watch, but almost always there were caricatures. They couldn't live their own lives. They were just there for kind of like accessories. I think that played a role in my coming of age in the sense that I literally could not find the words to explain what was happening to me. I remember when I got to college there, I had no shortage of gay friends, gay women, gay men, but overwhelmingly, when you go into like the LGBT center, the Pride Center, all I saw were white gay folks. I looked at those friends and I thought, well, I don't see myself in them, so perhaps I'm not gay. The first time it all clicked, 
I met a friend who was openly gay, Mexican-American, son of immigrants. We went to Circus Disco. This massive club with several dance floors. One room would be playing Spanish rock like Mana, another room would have hip-hop, another would be like pop music like Britney, Katy Perry. These men looked like the men that I grew up with. And here they were like grinding up on each other, making out and embracing and holding hands. And it was just like a mindfuck. That was a time when being gay wasn't as accepted in the mainstream. We didn't really have apps like Grindr or Scruff or Tinder to easily meet men around your same location. You had to go to the clubs. We knew that the world hated us. But in this space, we could be fully ourselves. They were such iconic spaces for multiple generations of gay men of color. That's where they found community. That's where they found friends. That's where they learned about sexual health. And you could play with identities. Queen out from the moment you get out of the car. It almost felt that spiritual to be there. Some of the people I interviewed basically described going to circus like going to church. I think that's something that I identify with so much, you know, these spaces that made you feel safe, yeah. made you feel seen, and some of these spaces were taken away. West Hollywood's makeup is different. As people have moved into LA and Southern California, the makeup of our population is different. Where are we at now with these spaces for us communities of color who are queer? Those spaces seem like they're far and few between now. What was so important about clubs like Circus, it was part of everyone's coming-of-age experience. It was a place to dance, it was a place to be desired, it was a place to desire. That's where you met your first set of friends, your first boyfriend. That's where you danced when you had your first breakup. It almost feels like, oh, if you can hit up someone on your phone and meet them locally, then there's not so much of an urgent need to go to the clubs. Anthony's talking about the end of an era. There were spaces that catered to queer people of color in L.A., but as rents went up and dating apps like Grindr became more popular, these places started to disappear. Right in the middle of that transition, in 2016, polls happened. I was scheduled to give a graduation speech that day at UCLA. And, you know, graduation speeches are supposed to be, like, hopeful and go and live out your lives and dreams. And then here was this terrible, terrible experience that happened where all these young folks' lives were essentially cut off and destroyed. And it just destroyed me to know that in the one place you finally, after all these years of homophobia and people rejecting you and treating you like shit and calling you faggot, there's this one space where you could just be. And that was ripped away in an instant by a mass shooting. 49 people died that night. I'm all the way in L.A., thousands of miles away from Pulse, and that incident reverberated for me, too. I actually was still awake when the news alert started coming in. I was working at the LA Times at that moment. I had my apps on, notifications on, and I was getting home. You know, it was Pride weekend, so the boys were coming over to just do a nightcap, and I started to read. And I get emotional because I saw the families, and I saw, like to boyfriends who wanted to get married to each other, you know, and have family. And I'm like, dude, that's the story of me and my friends. 
Pulse is the kind of place I would have loved to go. Those types of spaces are sacred to our community. But you know what? We make those spaces. It's not just a building. And I feel like that's the experience of being brown and gay in LA. It's creating space. And Anthony is the type of person who is always trying to create space for other people. That's what he does in academia. That's what he does at his parents' house, hosting his friends. And he does that with this book. I asked him, so what did you learn from the people that you talked to? Let me just start with the personal. Full stop, I just, I just needed to hear those stories because I had no blueprint for myself for how to navigate what it's like to be a gay son of immigrants. These men may be under the same category, but there's a plethora of different experiences. I wanted to write a book that reminded people of what these young men experienced. Not that I wanted to harp on the trauma, but I wanted folks to remember that even if we have same-sex marriage or whatever, you know, love Victor on TV, (laughs) which I love, by the way, um, (laughs) it doesn't erase the fact that gay folks experience trauma. Some of the folks I interviewed said when they came out of the closet, Their parent drove them to Mexico, dropped them off in their hometown, took away their passport so they couldn't come back so that they could get straightened out. I wanted to write about that stuff in a way that would honor the fact that those experiences were real, despite the fact that things are quote-unquote getting better. Anthony's book, Brown and Gay in L.A., came out September 19th. This is How to LA from LES Studios. I'm Brian De Los Santos. Catch us Tuesdays through Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at LES.com slash How to LA. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. That's it for today, y'all. I'll catch y'all soon.